and Merry Christmas! If you're listening to this on the day that it uploads, welcome to Tea Hangs for the Memories. I am your host, Darren. We are going to be talking about, of course, the I think the only Christmas film that Tom Hanks has ever done? Uh, question mark? I mean, uh, I guess there's some of the films that probably... I mean, maybe... Uh, what's that one with the, um, you know, the talking and the... Sleepless in Seattle. I, I was mean, about to starts. say, Sleepless in Seattle just, is takes place during yeah. Christmas, doesn't it? The end of Toy Story. There's some Christmas stuff also in there. Also takes place during Christmas. <laughs> so, okay. But this is the one that is solely based on the day before Christmas. Uh, this episode is uploading if people listen to it first time on Christmas Day. Uh, of course, uh, after that, it's just other days of the year. Uh, this film was released on the 10th of November 2004, obviously getting itself ready for that Christmas period. It barely made any money, didn't even double its budget. Uh, they spent a lot of money on it, and it didn't quite make it back. Um, we Normally I ask, is Tom getting top billing? And yes, he is. He's playing tons of characters. He's everybody in this film. Um, and joining me to talk about it, I have uh, Zach Freaking Smith. Hello. Hi. And I have Kelly Hansen. Hello. Hi there. Yes. Yeah, so uh, this, I, I, I mean, obviously, this is the first. I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, Tom has obviously had a few firsts in his life. Uh, Toy Story was the first, you know, all CGI animated uh, picture. Uh, Splash was the first film that came out for Touchstone Films. Um, you know, and uh, in this case, this is the first like all motion capture film. Um, and I think it was the first that was released in IMAX 3D to theaters. Uh, oh, so. What a way to start. <laughs> yeah. What a uh, way to start. <laughs> and obviously, uh, apparently it was Tom Hanks who brought the idea to Robert Zemeckis. Uh, they had already worked together twice and, you know, been very successful. Forrest Gump, highest grossing film in 1994, won a bunch of Oscars. Castaway, did okay, got some nominations and stuff. Um, and so this is the third time that he's working with Bobby Z. And, um, you know, he said to him, let's, you know, let's do this 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 book, um, you know, done by uh, Chris Van Allsburg, who also did uh, Jumanji. And, uh, and you know... Thura. Yes, and and Can't so it's a uh, uh, <laughs> so Robert Zemeckis was like, okay, but this is gonna literally cost like half a billion if we do it like live action, <laughs> like if we get ourselves a train and all this kind of stuff, and so they they approached the idea of possibly doing it just like normal animation, um, and uh, you know the, the the kind of the weird thing was it was like. You know, like they they were feeling like that again would take way too long. Uh, Tom was initially just wanting to be Santa Claus and the conductor. That was it. That was, that was all he wanted to do. Um, and then, um, you know, they did this thing where they were like, well, what about some motion capture? Obviously, you know, Bobby Z, known for his technological innovations. And um, I, I don't know what happened to him, but for like the next decade, that's all he did. He after this, he did like Beowulf and he did <laughs> Christmas Carol. He just kind of stopped working with like live action like it's just a really weird thing um and so you know in 2003 through to 2004 they did a did most of the motion capture they would do the thing where basically um tom hanks played every single like role mostly like he played the conductor in the small child and in the behind the scenes thing obviously you see that they've got all the dots on their face and they've got the blue screen and everything and he would basically act one side against the stand-in, and then he would turn around and he would act the other side, and he basically went through doing that. Um, and then, obviously, they, you know, spent 
a fair amount of time doing a whole bunch of uh, computer animation on the top of that. Uh, so, you know, kind of technically speaking, it isn't like Toy Story um, in many respects um, or any of the other kind of... Uh, bearing in mind that, like, basically, I think three weeks before this came out, The Incredibles came out of the cinema. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I don't know if that kind of affected the box office of this film, but I'm feeling that if you've got a choice between going to see a film with, like, I don't know, let's call it mildly creepy animation and you know pixar's extremely smooth animation in the incredibles i think families were making a, a you know a definite choice of not going to see this film um, but it's christmas you know. time so you yeah know, you gotta you gotta get in you gotta get to that polar express because that's <laughs> the way things happen on the polar yeah. express until today i had never seen this film um, I had Bless never him. had any 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 inclination. Obviously, at this point, uh, it is famous. I mean, there's a scene in Thirty Rock where basically uh, Tracy Jordan is scared of of the Polar Express <laughs> because of the Uncanny Valley, and you know. So I, you know, until I mean, I'll say this. Uh, you know, the story is fairly simple, and when the animation is not on people's faces, it's not bad. Um, you know, there's a whole sequence with a ticket that goes all over the place, and it's fairly well animated. Those those wolves are really well animated. Uh, there's an eagle that pops up that's well animated. There's a little part where it turns into like a roller coaster ride for a like a lot of parts a couple where of minutes. it's a roller coaster ride, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a point where it literally is the the point of view of being on the rails. Yeah, they um, do that like several times. I guess they thought like kids love roller coasters. IMAX 3D. Well, yeah, yeah that's the. So it, they, in, in the, it's yeah. like a film that was really built only with 3D in mind and not mm-hmm. with the watchability of the movie when it wasn't in 3D. <laughs> yes. So I will say I will say to Zach, I mean, I'm guessing you're younger than me. Um, so I don't know if maybe you saw this when you were a child or maybe you saw it no, in the cinema when you were a child. I don't know what your no. experience is with this. Let us know. Uh, let me uh, Let me just do full disclosure right here. Um, I did not watch this film. In preparation for the podcast. Because every year, my wife forces me to watch this movie hundreds, nay, thousands of times during Christmas. Uh, It's her favorite Christmas movie. Wow. And I cannot stop shitting on it. It's just, I can't. I can't. I hadn't seen it until my wife and I, you know, got together. Um... And uh, oh boy, what a film! Yeah. Uh, what? Why didn't she sign up for the podcast then, Zach? That's what I'm asking. Why didn't she sign up? <laughs> because she says has has said to me. Cause I, I used to be on a different podcast as well, and uh, she said I will never do a podcast with you. And I'm like, but we're going to be talking <laughs> about the Polar Express. And she's like, rule still applies. Um, so instead, you know, okay. we had to send somebody to to represent, and unfortunately, it's me. Uh, and (laughs) I can't wait to talk about this. I'm so excited. I mean, did, did she, like, did she see it as a kid and that's why it's her favorite? Like, is that, yeah. Did she go to the cinema with the family? Like, like, it's obviously something. Uh, right. Yeah. It's the same with like Halloween Town. Uh, are you familiar with Halloween Town? No, I'm not. The, the Disney Channel original movie. Uh, no, it's not good. It's not a good movie. But she saw it when she's a kid, 
So it's like one of her favorite Halloween movies. And it's like, it's, it's a Disney Channel original, so I mean, it's not great. But, you know, it's got that certain charm and nostalgia to it. Um, and it, unfortunately, she feels the same way about the Polar Express. Um, Halloween Town, I can at least like moderately enjoy. This one, I just I, I can, I can very I can find very few redeeming qualities about this movie. Um, <laughs> so well, then Kelly, um, is this a film that you saw when you were young, and that's why you've decided to come onto the podcast? I mean, uh, well, so no, um, I'm thirty, so I think the movie came okay. out when I was in high school. I didn't see it actually until a few years ago when it was on TV, but. The book was actually very, that came out when I was a kid, and I actually it, it have a lot of fond memories of it. It was the first gift I ever bought for my younger brother with my own money. I saved up for it because it came with, at the time, a an electric engine for one of those magnetic train sets that we had. Um, that was the Polar Express engine, which really leveled up our train play since we didn't have an electric one before that. They were just the wooden ones. Um, so anyway, I, that because of that, we had the book, and my dad read it to us all the time, and we really liked it because the book is short and simple and not full of filler and horrifying animation. So... Um, if I recall, there's only two roller coaster segments. Yeah. In the book. Uh, so I was really it, when it came on TV a few years ago. I was like, you know, I never actually watched this movie, but I love the book, and it was it was such such a horrible disappointment. As soon as that uh, Mandark character started talking and everything else, it um, it was just bad. So I've that I never watched the movie again until today, and I was like, it's probably not as bad as I remember, but it was. So well, was I mean, worse. at least at least we have you so that you can give us uh, kind of commentary on and on the differences in the book, uh, which I'm guessing is just this isn't in the book. It's probably gonna not. Be yeah, I mean, the book is pretty yeah. simple. It's like they get on the train, they go to. The, you know, he gets the, he, they go to the North Pole, he gets the bell, he goes back, like, you know. Yeah, that when that seems fairly simple. There's a lot of extra stuff in here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and uh, we should say as well, the like, uh, the Polar Express came out towards the end of uh, VHS. Um, you know, it was released a year after it came out at the cinema. Um, and it came out on both, it came out on DVD, both as widescreen and full screen, because that was still a thing that people were still doing. Um, and it came out on VHS on the 22nd of November, 2005. That is exactly four months before the final commercial film came out on VHS. Uh, and I, I bet neither of you would be able to guess what the final film issued on VHS by a Hollywood studio was. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. No. That's what I've been telling <laughs> I people. have no idea. So. Ah, well, I will now correct you, Zach. It's A History of Violence. Oh, I mean, they're the same, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, and then it was released um, on HD DVD, uh, the format that failed in 2006. The only proper and, way to watch the Polar yeah. Express. <laughs> and then it came out on Blu-ray, again, with both original, uh, you know, widescreen and also uh, full-screen versions. It's... I don't know, insanity. Um, yeah, so it's basically been released on, like, four different formats, which, 
for a, a film, you know, that's only, a, you know, like 15 years old or whatever, that's quite a lot of formats for it to have been released on. Um, as we said in the film, Tom Hanks is playing the hero boy. That is the, that's the main character. That's how he's addressed. Uh, we have his father, which is also played by Tom Hanks. The conductor, played by Tom Hanks. Uh, this ghostly hobo, who's played by Tom Hanks. Um, there's like a Scrooge puppet that appears in the, you know, the, the, the abandoned toys uh, cabin. Uh, also which is the Hanks. hobo. It's not a different yeah. character. Well, like, I, 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 yeah, he's, he's credited it. <laughs> it's credited as but a different it's the character. Same, it's the same person. It's just like saying, oh, It's not the yeah. same model, so... Uh, and then, of course, he plays Santa Claus when Santa Claus finally arrives. And he is the narrator at the beginning and the end of the film. Interestingly, though, um, some of the motion capture for the hero boy was done by Joss Hutchison, uh, the, the well, star thought, of Hunger Games. I thought Games. the hero boy was uh, the kid from Spy Kids because he's a he child. Is voiced, he is voiced by Megan Trainor's husband, yeah. uh, Daryl Sabara. Um, recently, as we record this, they trended on Twitter because they have toilets next to each other in their bathroom, uh, which is the dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, so and he does the voice. Um, but Tom Hanks did all did the like, when he was acting did the voice like as well, and then they obviously just took his voice out. Uh, but yeah, Josh Hutchison did some additional kind of like motion capture stuff that required it to be child sized rather than adult sized. So there's some of the movement. You know, you could take Tom Hanks and you could shrink him down, but it's not going to look right. Release the not Tom that anything, Not that anything in this film looks right. Um, playing the hero girl is Nona Gay, uh, daughter of Marvin Gay. Yes, that's correct. Um, and she also did some songs with Prince in the uh, early 2000s. That's where I know Nona Gay from. So, um, you know, she's done a bit of acting after this. She was also in the Matrix sequels, but not the original. Um, and, uh, yeah, she, she, I mean, you know, she's also done a, a few, you know, a bit of musical stuff after she uh, worked with Prince. Uh, we have Billy the Lonely Boy, motion captured by Peter Scolari from Buzz and Buddies, and also from uh, a cameo in That Thing You Do, uh, <laughs> where he worked with Tom once more. Um, we have the uh, sexual predator, Eddie Deason. Um, recently, some stuff has come out about him. Um, playing the know-it-all boy, uh, he what, of the most, the what, world's what? most. Yeah. What did man do? <laughs> yeah, Zach. Some some unpleasant stuff has come out about Eddie Deason recently. Yeah, um, I was just reading that today. What the hell? Yeah. So uh, there is for the listeners there is shock on Zach's face. So I'm not going to. Right. Uh, Eddie Deason is just doing his own voice. It's very annoying. Uh, if you've heard his voice, you know who Eddie Deason is. He's in most famously War Games, uh, where he says, "Go through Falcon's maze, like right into the screen." Um, and of course, we have uh, Smokey and Steamer, who are the two engineers, are done by Michael uh, Jeter, uh, who of course had worked with Tom Hanks uh, in The Green Mile and allegedly in Money Pit. But I could not spot him in Money Pit at all when I watched that film. But apparently he's in, he's in there somewhere amongst all the construction guys. Um, and later on, uh, we'll talk about the appearance of Steven Tyler. Oh. At a father of Liv Tyler, who was in That Thing You Do. So she worked with Tom Hanks. So there is already a, a pre-existing connection there's also charles fleischer as one of the extremely ugly elves um who of course was best known for doing the voice of roger rabbit um so but we'll get into that 
so the question is, uh, what the hell is the Polar Express? And the answer is, it is a train that takes people who don't believe in Santa to the North Pole. There you go. That's the end of the podcast. Does anyone have anything they wish to plug before we go? Um, <laughs> I wish. I mean, if it, if it were faithful to the book, that's pretty much all it would be. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so we, mm-hmm. we, we, we get some narration from Tom Hanks, taking us back to one Christmas Eve. It's not really specified um, exactly when, although apparently it is 1956, um, you know. And this young boy does not believe in Santa anymore, uh, or he's doubting the existence of Santa. Um, let's put it like that. Now, You're I will say doubter. this. <laughs> I will say this about films where the main premise is people don't believe in Santa and they're the bad guys. Yes, so, they are admitting. They are. They're just acknowledging reality. Santa Claus has never existed. Never will exist. Not in this reality. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. This well, is my issue with this movie and yes, any movie. The, the one. The one issue. Well, no. Uh, I mean, my. But otherwise. the biggest issue. I mean, this is my issue with any movie where it's like. Adults don't believe in Santa, but he's real. Like, the Santa Claus has the same problem. Lots of movies do. Mm-hmm. Santa mm-hmm. is real in this universe, but adults don't believe in him. So where are the presents coming from? Do they not care? I mean, yes. no. you can't reconcile those two concepts. Like, either Santa's not real and adults don't believe in him, or they are, he is real and everyone should believe in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is something I hate about any film that takes this as its basic premise. I mean, some of them, they get over that because, like, Elf is a wonderful film. And it manages to kind of, you know, get over the whole kind of weird thing that, like, Mm -hmm. somehow the people who don't believe in Santa are the villains. I mean... To be fair. Yes? To be fair. The kid who doesn't believe in Santa Claus in this movie is decidedly the villain of the film. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I... I will, I will, I will die on this hill. He is definitely the villain of the movie. I was going to yeah. say the conductor. No. Yeah, he did. Uh, what? Uh, well, I mean, well, let's let's stay where we are, which is with the kid in bed. Um, you know, his parents come in and he's pretending to be asleep. You know, they're like, oh, he used to stay up all night waiting for Santa, and you know, so like, obviously, they're they're sad that he doesn't believe anymore. Um, watching the motion capture of Tom Hanks do this thing with the parents where he like is looking into the door is really funny because it's just like a blue screen with some bits of wood that represent the edge of the door and he and he's got a label on him that says like father so that they know which character he's playing and it's just really funny to watch without any of the animation um, but yeah so like they're disappointed that their son doesn't believe but the daughter still does believe and she um, you know the extremely ugly daughter with the horrible I don't know what like I mean, the start of the problems in terms of the the kind of the animation is here because I, I, the model for the daughter is just, I don't know, it's terrible. Um, but she believes. And so obviously, you know, she's the one who has written a letter to Santa. She's the one who's put out the milk and cookies and done all the usual nonsense. And so, you know, she's a true believer. And so she's going to sleep. Um, but obviously, the you know, the boy is kind of he's not staying awake, but, you know, he's not. You know, he he's kind of over the whole thing until, of course, there is a rumbling and, you know, there's a loud ticking of the clock and the his, I don't know, the, the pressure valve on his radiator gives way and starts shooting steam out. Um, you know, the, the, the like the whole room starts shaking because obviously the Polar Express has arrived outside his house. Um, OK, bef- before and, we before we get into the conductor real quick. Yes. Uh, yeah. 
I, I'm going to give a rare bit of praise to this movie. Uh, one thing I really like is how uh, the kid. Uh, so when that when when uh, the kid's looking out in the hallway and he sees like the shadow that looks like Santa Claus, and then it turns yeah. out to be the the daughter's arm that you know he thought was you know the hat with the ball on the end. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a clever little bit. Uh, um, like I said, I did not watch this movie beforehand. I just remember this. Uh, but, but another thing, uh, a thing that I find hilariously bad, also in the room, uh, is when he's, like, looking at different things around his room, and uh, he's got, like, these, these like, time magazines uh, hidden with, like, the, the kid, like, discovering santa claus isn't yeah. real and then uh there he, he so his unequivocal evidence of santa not being real is him pulling down his world book encyclopedia opening it up to north pole and it zooms in <laughs> underneath where it says devoid of life and i'm like yeah and then he just looks at it like yeah i got him i got this <laughs> santa he's not real it says devoid of life right here in the world book encyclopedia just not a it's solid argument honestly uh yeah although i would i would say that like the picture of him it's not a a kid i thought it was him pulling the beard off center or is it just any oh the the picture of him pulling the beard i I was talking there's a um saturday evening post uh magazine where it's the discovery of Santa. That was what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a little later, but when they're on the train and they pass the toy store and there's an animatronic Santa in the window and he's it zooms in on the wind-up on the back and he's like, I knew it. And I was like, I don't... Did you think that was real until now? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fake Santa. I know. That one's not real. Yeah. I could understand the bearded, like... The, the one yeah. in, uh, like, the mall. I could get that. Yeah, like, the like, one that you sit on the lap. It's like, oh, that's not the real Santa. But that one's got gears out of its back. I was, like, picturing him running around to, like, every plastic Santa on someone's lawn and being, like, imposter. See? Or he's, like, uh, what's-his-face out of uh, Catcher in the Ride just going phony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please don't start the Holden Caulfield discussion with me. You don't want to go there. Yeah. No. It's well, a... <laughs> let's let's. Well, then let's get to the conductor because the train has arrived. And I will say this: the animation, of the train, um, despite the fact that it gains a couple of carriages and loses a couple of carriages and then gains a couple of carriages throughout this film, um, the animation, of the train is wonderful. Some of the mm-hmm. snow effects look a bit flat, but you know, kind of particle stuff wasn't really, you know, even even like. Um, you know, Pixar kind of stayed away from particle mechanics until they got to Wally. So, you know, I can forgive them for that. Although at the same time, mm-hmm. they had just done the Abominable Snowman in Monsters Inc. and the snow effects there look great. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, but yeah, so like the, this this train has pulled up. There's obviously a lot of steam coming out. There's a lot of dust being thrown up. Um, you know, and the hero boy decides that he's going to go outside and take a look because you know, if you hear strange noises outside your home you know in the middle of the night the first thing you do is go and investigate of course um well, rather it was the than, 50s i don't know so well yeah i guess everyone was leaving their doors <laughs> open and discriminating against black people so you know um <laughs> things are fairly safe outside. there you go <laughs> yes yeah, so uh maybe this was a sundown town and so they go outside and 
Uh, but yeah, so out comes the extremely ugly, square-headed, weird-mustached uh, Tom Hanks playing the conductor, <sighs> who on some line readings sounds like he's angry with people when he isn't, and at other times sounds bored. And I, I, I mean, Robert. The weird thing is, Robert Zemeckis directed all of this, all the stuff that Tom Hanks is doing. He like Robert Zemeckis was right there directing this. You know, this wasn't left to like the mercy of animators or whatever. Like this is him. You know, making choices in terms of what performances to keep before they they went and captured them. Um, so, but some of it is just such a like the conductor always seems kind of angry and even when he's trying to be happy about stuff, it just I, I don't know. Yeah. The choices are very very odd. This is the only role I've seen Tom Hanks in where I didn't like his performance. I've seen him in a lot of bad movies, but I always thought he was mostly doing a good job. This character is just. I think he was, like, trying to go for, like, I don't know if it was, like, a Willy Wonka thing, but it comes off as very um, off-putting. Yeah, and I don't think the animation helps. No, the, I but I'm, like... I'm talking about the line reads, too, though. I mean, it. Oh, the character yeah, in general is, like, a manic, weird, he's not really that nice to the kids, he's, it's I don't know. It's my manic pixie dream conductor. Yeah. Really <laughs> um, I, well, and... I, like, I kind of get it. I, I'm i actually going to give a charitable read on the conductor performance. Uh, because I, I, I do think that now that I work with kids every day, I get it. Like, I understand why he's so pissed off all the time. But, like, not really. Where it's like, you're trying to get these kids settled down. You're trying to... And then there's that one little jerk... Who just messes everything up. Uh, again, hero boy, villain boy. Uh, you know, messing it. I, I I don't know. He's it I mean, I, I definitely don't like it. I, I think it's a bad performance, but I think it's as good as you could get for that character. Personally. I mean, I th- here's here's what I'll say. I don't like I mean, I, I guess I guess we're gonna call it filler because there are some scenes in here where uh, you know, like it, like the conductor seems seems to think that this kid is trying to stop the Polar Express from getting where it needs to go or whatever. Like that comes up a couple of times, but I don't but I don't he? think the kid is. I but, I but I don't think he is. I think the kid's just bored. Like he's just <laughs> like you know, he's on a train. Like you, you know, like. But again, this was the fifties. That was like the number one thing you could do was get on a train. Well, I mean, but the th- the thing is, here's the thing about people who like trains. People who like trains like to look at trains from the outside, or they like to, you know, look at trains from the engine. The, the compartments aren't the thing that interests people on trains. They're the That's they're true. where you put all the people who have to be on the trains so that trains can run. They're not the most interesting part of it. Like, you know, uh, there's a reason why on Thomas the tank engine, uh, the tank engines are the interesting parts. Uh, not the two carriages that sit behind Thomas. Nobody cares about them, you know. So uh, when you're in those, when you're inside a train, like just sitting in a train is not interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. So you know, but a fast, you know, as soon as the kid gets on, um, you know, we see a bunch of ugly-looking kids. Like that's that's the only way I can describe them. Not the hero boy isn't even like the, like his character model is horrible. And uh, you know, as many people have said about Polar Express, all their eyes are dead. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing behind them, 
And it's like they would have been better off if they just put masks on like Tom Hanks and kept his real eyes. Um, but no, they they try animating the eyes and it just doesn't work. Um, but there's like a whole bunch of kids. And in particular, um, you know, we meet uh, Nona Gay's character, uh, as I said, called Hero Girl. And uh, the, the animation on that does her no favors. It just look it's a terrible design, um, you know, and their mouths even are too like big. the. That's the problem. Yeah, I like that. The whole thing is just completely like when she's like staring at him when he gets on. It's like her, her like there's no life in it. Yes, it's just she's just staring there with her yeah. mouth kind of like agape, doing nothing. It's as if somebody <laughs> forgot to animate her and just left like the asset in place and was like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't know what to do with this. You know, give me some direction, Robert Zemeckis. What do I do with this? And he's he just like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, and we get uh, the first part of like I don't know like kind of a gag that pays off at the end, which is um, the punching of the tickets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, we get a whole long thing where the conductor is like check your pocket, and the kid is obviously you know, on the way out from his house. He ripped his pocket on his dressing gown, so it's got a little hole at the bottom. He also knocked a bunch and of his marbles, marbles fell out. Yeah, so God forbid he miss loses his marbles. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, that's a metaphor. All of this yeah. takes place in the that kid's is it, head. Yeah. <laughs> so he's losing and his marbles, literally. He's told to look in his other pocket, Figure. and he takes out a kind of golden ticket. And the ticket is punched, and a couple of letters are put in it. And this is done for everybody's tickets. Everybody tickets get a couple of letters at the start of the journey. And then at the end of the journey, the rest of the word is finished off by the conductor. Um, and I did think the kind of the animation of him kind of like... Um, uh, punching tons and tons of holes in the in the tickets and the kind of like the bits of paper falling off and stuff. I thought that was well animated, um, but ultimately, uh, who cares? Um, I think uh, it's a fun concept. I think it's a fun yeah. idea, you know. And it's it it pays off in the end where it's like the way that you're supposed to, what you're supposed to take from the trip, you know. Like you need to learn to uh, spoilers for later in the podcast. Uh, you know, you need to learn to believe, you need to learn to lead, you need to learn to uh, not be such a know-it-all. That's not what the ticket says, but uh, it says learn, and the kid's like, yeah. he's got a stone for it. Lean? Why does it say my lean? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just, God, I hate that kid. Uh, and now you can hate Eddie Deason in real life for yeah. his proclivities. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do they? Is this where they like after after they got on? Do they do the hot chocolate first, or do they pick up the the pick up Billy first? They pick up the boy first. Yeah. So they stop, um, and everyone's like, "Why are we stopping?" It's like it's a train. You've just stopped to pick up this kid. <laughs> right. Like, why are you? Why are you, thirty seconds later? Why are you baffled at a train stopping to pick up another passenger? That's what trains do. Like, but this uh, this also right before they pick up the, the Billy. The yeah. only kid who gets a name in the movie, uh, that's that's when uh, the know-it-all kid jumps up and yells, Harvin Shimeis! Harvin Shimeis! And uh, <laughs> that's where the Santa is. And this is another point in its favor. Uh, I think they did a very good job of capturing how much that meant to kids, you know, when they were, uh, when they were you know, seeing all the... the, the 
the toys and everything. It's you remember going through the Sears catalog and circling everything you wanted. I mean, this is the 1950s version of that, looking at a window and being like, "Oh, look, it's awesome." Uh, I think they did a really good job with that. I think that Although the there, characterization there was good. There weren't any toys in the window. Well, I mean, it's Christmas. It's Christmas yeah. Eve. They've <laughs> they've sold out. So I know. I'm gone. just saying, right. like, yeah. I'm not sure what they were so excited to look at. Yeah, that's all. But yeah. See. What in in my hometown we used to have this thing called living windows, uh, yeah. where uh, you know like they we would go down to storefronts and in their big picture windows there would be people like acting out scenes or something like that. Now that I'm talking about this, I realize that it's like 15 minutes to midnight on Christmas Eve, so chances are there's not actually anybody in there. So uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, no, I mean that's as probably... we've established, it's an animatronic. <laughs> Oh, right. That I was forgot. The, I forgot. Yeah, that was what uh, the smoking gun there, but... <laughs> I mean, i got, I got to be honest with you as well. Realistically, knowing how retail works, uh, by the time you get to Christmas Eve, everybody, like, all of the stuff that's Christmas rated has been taken down, and they're preparing for, like, the sales that come after Christmas, or, you know, like, so there wouldn't be anything left Christmassy in the window, even if it was an animatronic Santa. Um uh, but yeah, so we get we get this kid. He's gonna perpetually just sit in the caboose by himself for some reason. I mean, there's tons of seats that are available in the main, like in the, in the carriage where they are. So I don't know why he just doesn't move up into there. But I guess you know he just likes to sit by himself. Um, you know, uh, and so uh, then at this point, for no reason, uh, the conductor. Uh, almost sounding like he's trying to scold people, asks if anybody needs some refreshments. And then we begin uh, what can only be described as the hot chocolate coming scene, uh, yeah. where hot chocolate just shoots all over the cabin. Yeah, ropes <laughs> of does. hot chocolate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please, no. Yeah. Why did you say that? I can't... Have you really never... Uh, that... It, I, I am aware of what you're talking about. That, no, I know. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying I can't believe that anybody as an adult could watch that scene and think about anything else. Uh, okay. Uh, I, to be fair, no, I have not thought that because I have been anticipating the cringe-inducing moment <laughs> where Tom Hanks just goes, hey, hey, into the microphone for whatever reason. <laughs> And I just, I prepare my body for that because I, I cannot handle it. So most of the time, I'm not looking at the screen. Uh, That's fair. You know, and I, I just, we all know that the hot chocolate's drugged, you know. Yeah. We all know that. <laughs> um, and it, it's, what a, what a strange scene. I, I, I like the yeah. choreography. I'll, I'll I mean, give it that. It's it's not it's not like drugged enough because obviously even after all the kids have drunk tons of hot chocolate and they all have like hot chocolate uh, milk mustaches going on, um, the kids still kind of like I don't know like the, the where do the the conductor and the hero girl go somewhere don't they and he tries to follow uh, to give her her ticket. Um, now I I got to be honest with you I don't know why the conductor didn't punch her ticket. Because he punched literally everybody else's ticket in that entire cabin. Yeah. So how did he miss her? And like, why would the kid not the just wait hole. for her to come back into the car? I don't... Yeah. Like, why was she... I, near... Also, why... Have we established why the poor kid had to be in a special poor kid car all by himself? I, I, I don't know. I think he chose to do that. 
Okay. Yeah, I think I think Billy just likes to ride in the caboose, and that's where he's going to stay All for. Right. Well, he's the lonely the kid, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Billy the Lonely Boy, which is yeah, I mean <laughs> Billy the Lonely Boy, which is a terrible name for. Uh, why would but he's name poor like too, that? right? Because the whole uh, thing was like other side of the tracks, and he talks mm-hmm. about Santa not coming, which is f-ed up if Santa exists in this universe. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, it yeah. adds another level uh, to this to this uh, demon creature called Santa. Uh, yeah, he just... maybe maybe he's just naughty, and that's why he's not. I'm sure that's why his parents are telling me he's not getting any. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's lonely too. Yeah. The kind of the excuse of saying that you've been naughty, and that's why Santa hasn't brought you any presents when maybe you're financially, uh, you know, kind of strapped and you haven't got any money, and you're like, oh well, I can't afford any presents, so I'll just tell my child it's their fault for their their behaviour. Um, like. That's an actual thing that happens mm-hmm. in this world, not the Polar Express oh, sure. world. Yeah. So it's I mean, the socio-political, uh, yeah, economics of Christmas. Well, this and, is it. Yes, you know. I, I uh, think we then, if we dig deeper into the Polar Express, <laughs> we'll find. That's what we're doing. That's that's a podcast. That's that. We're digging right, as deep right. as we can possibly go. Um, yeah. So we then get what I'm going to call some nice filler stuff. Uh, some NFS, nice filler stuff. Um, and basically, uh, he, the kid loses a ticket. It floats to the back of the train. Then it goes around the side of the train. Then it ends up in some snow. And then, for no reason, a pack of wolves just suddenly appear. Nicely animated, though. And their movement causes the ticket to be picked back up into the air. Uh, while it's in the air, it gets uh, grabbed by uh, an eagle. Uh, a bald eagle, I think. Um, an endangered species. Um, and... Uh, that bald eagle drops the ticket off as if it is food to its eaglet, who then chews it up and spits it out because it's not food. It's a ticket. And so that ticket then goes down uh, and gathers snow as it turns into a snowball. This then flattens back out. It gets caught back up in the air and it ends up going back up to up under the front of the train uh, from the from the, the engine all the way through all the undersides of the carriages until it eventually comes back out next to the door where it just was, and then it gets sucked back into the cabin, and right next to the conductor's head, it gets stuck to, like, an air vent. Um, you forgot to mention, this is where yes. we get our first introduction to the hobo, who I will be calling the vagrant, by the way. I much prefer that. Oh, uh, well, it, here's the weird thing. Hobo is actually a compliment, because it, it's somebody who is transient, but they work. Oh, okay, fine. He's the hobo. Yeah. He's so the king at an old pole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't want to get into him yet because we're still on this this I'm NFS. Just, I, I just wanted ticket. to, yeah, I wanted to we let the Polar him. Express fans out there know that we <laughs> understand that the hobo was there. Yeah, you know. we have seen him, um, but we're going to get to meet him properly in a second because, of course, um, you know, the the ticket comes back in and the conductor is like, "Where's your ticket to the girl?" And she's like, "You know, I it <laughs> okay. was just here." <laughs> Hold on. Because yeah. we've been really mean to the conductor here. He doesn't just say, where's your ticket, little girl? He's very no, polite. He does, yeah, he does say, yeah, he does say, I, I, I forgot to punch me. Yeah, I, I seem to have neglected to punch your ticket. Yes. <laughs> very kind. Very kind man. Would a villain say that? I don't think so. Of, of course, well, the hero boy owns, owns up to the fact that he lost the ticket. Um... Which you know, I guess that makes him a good person. But also, you've just lost somebody's ticket, so yeah. And it's then he not... goes to throw her off the train. 
lines. Yeah, well, and it's not clear to me why they need tickets. Like, he came to them and, like, brought them on board. They didn't buy these tickets. I mean... No. If one's lost their ticket, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he's gonna uh, have to punch the word lead into something else, but... <laughs> <laughs> like a sheet of paper. Yeah. Oh, one moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think is this this like obviously I think um, this is where he then the the hero boy then ends up on top of the Polar Express. Um, yeah. Uh, can, hold on. Can, yes. Before before we get there, I'm sorry. I'm I'm really digging into the minutia of the Polar okay. Express, but I have a lot to say about this movie. Okay. I was so, I was trying I was trying to get this film out of my head as quickly as possible. Oh I no! Mean. I'm going to keep it in here as long as, you, as a possible can. So the uh, the know it all boy. Yes. Like so. So the conductor like takes the kid, uh, takes the hero girl, uh, up to the top of the train. Which, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I don't know trains, so maybe this is standard procedure. Uh, so then the, everybody's like, "What are they gonna do?" And the hero boy's like, or the the know it all. He's like, he's gonna throw her off the goddamn train. And uh, the hero boy's like, "Well, I'm gonna stop him." And goes up, and it's like, no, they're not going to throw her off the train in the middle of the North Pole. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Nah, not I think so much still, of a know-it-all. I, I think they're still in Canada at this point. Um, oh, okay. In the North. Yeah. The North to you. Not to me. The North to me Scotland. North. Although north. I guess the North Pole is you the know, North whatever. Uh, but I'm, so. the North Pole is still north of you, I think. It is the northest. It is uh, yeah. points. Yeah, uh, but the uh, the train is the train is only in Canada at this point. They're I only see. just that's the that's the journey. Since you taking. mentioned Elf earlier, yeah. uh, I do want to say there's one very clever line in Elf. I love the movie, but th- there's one line that always gets me, where uh, Papa Elf is telling Buddy uh, after Buddy is like, "Oh, what? That's shocking. Why do they think that Santa's not real?" And he says, "Well, people down south think that." parents do it and i always imagine like the southern united states like people in alabama <laughs> were like oh yeah parents do it and they're, they're very but no the south of the globe it's, clever. it's a yeah. clever joke uh yes so we end up on top of the the polar express uh for some reason uh, the hero boy, uh, he's he's uh, he encounters uh, a hobo, uh, as played by Tom Hanks, um, and the hobo has a number of lines uh, that I'm like, I don't. What is the point of this? What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, like, why have we got this hobo on top of a train with a fire, like mm-hmm. in the middle of like a little snow pit? Like, how, how, what is any of this? I I'm I don't understand what's happening here. Playing good I have to assume. Less. Uh, I mean, apart from the fact that he lived in like a desert planet place, didn't he? He like lived uh, in the Middle East, so it was it was rare for him to see snow. That was the whole point of that song. Like, whereas, well, he's so happy in... to be up where all the snow is. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Let's be <laughs> well, charitable when we can. Thank you. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm assuming this. W- I don't know if the hobo was in the book. I have to assume it wasn't, but. I don't know. Let me know, Kelly. Was it in the book, The Hobo on Top of the Train? No, the hell it wasn't. None of this was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, No. 
Yeah. But I'm, I like, I, I mean, you know, obviously Tom Hanks is having some fun here playing like a completely different character to all the other characters. But at the same time, it's just becomes completely pointless. Like, uh, the, mostly he kind of warns him that they're about to come up to a point where they're going to the tunnel, flat top tunnel. And there's only one inch worth of clearance. So they've got to get to the front of the train so that they can be underneath the tunnel uh, when the tunnel comes. Otherwise, obviously, the tunnel is going to kill them. Um, and somehow the hobo ends up with some skis. Um, and what I find weird is the kid falls off the back and he's basically hanging off the end of the roof on the caboose. He could have just dropped down and got into the caboose. But the hobo's like, grab onto like my ski stick and he pulls him back up. Why are you doing that? You put him back into danger. He was safe hanging off the back of the caboose. I mean, you know, uh, like he, it just feels like an unnecessary extension of this scene. Um, as they kind of, they, they, like the, is this where it starts to go uphill? Um, Coincidentally, that was also the, uh, the subtitle for the movie, an unnecessary extension of the scene. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have nothing well, smart to say in response to that. No, he should have just hung off the back. Like, there's no yeah. reason. Uh, especially as the train starts going up a steep hill and this is the approach to the tunnel and they're trying to like they see some of the snow that's on the on the roof kind of fall off which again that was nicely animated mm-hmm. um uh i mean the powder effects aren't that great but you know it's just it, you know it kind of gets it across um and then they start to kind of as as it turns from like a the, the peak and they start to go into the valley uh, they obviously start to get you know go down the the the, the top of the the train very very quickly and uh, you know as they get not to, near to the front um, he, he tells the kid to jump and the kid jumps into some coal, um, none of which rubs off on him. He's completely clean when he comes out of like the biggest pile of coal. Like I can understand why they didn't decide to have his face go black after that, because I think that would take us into some uncomfortable territory. Um, <laughs> he but... pops out because I mean, like a uh, hero girl is right there and she goes, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and beats the crap out of him and throws him off the train. Then the movie's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm guessing if this had been made by Warner Brothers in the actual 1950s, he would have popped out looking like, uh, you know, some racial stereotype. Yeah. Uh, but as it is, he's com- too. Yeah. As it is, he comes out completely clean um, of this coal and the hobo, we have to assume, is killed. Um, <laughs> Just eviscerated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A pink mist uh, over the top of the Polar Express as he hits the tunnel <laughs> and is just completely killed. Um, what a from happy this point, kids movie. <laughs> from this point on, though, he he reappears a few times, but it it's the impression that he's a he's a hobo ghost from now on. Well, um, or always was. I mean, it, well, Tom, their conductor, I think, hints at having seen him as a child mm-hmm. and him being mm-hmm. like some type of angel figure. Yeah, he was safe. I, I was describing I did not him as a fall tri- off this train. <laughs> I was describing him as a trickster god when we watched yes. this movie today. Yeah. He's a Loki. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I love that reading. I yeah. love that. This is there is a there is a possibility. <laughs> there is a possibility. There's an entire possibility that everyone in this train is ghosts. Yeah. Um. But, you know, or a figment of the boy's imagination, depending on the reading we want to have here. Possibly. Um, we find out so, the hero girl is driving the quick, train. Real quick, real uh, quick. 
Yes, he's okay. He's always a ghost, by the way, uh, because we do see him fade into dust before the kid jumps. Yeah. He turns into yeah. snow and then jump, and then, then the kid jumps. But, so we know he's a whole ghost. But then how did he ghost pull ball. the kid up using one of his ski sticks? I mean, it's the not ski, that he's the ski sticks were real. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I'm, yeah, he's a corporeal ghost. Out of nowhere as well. I mean... It's the again, magic of Santa Claus. I, he can do whatever he wants. So, breaking all stereotypes, uh, we have a lady um, driving this train, um, and she kind of knows how to do it. She says it's very easy. This is the brake. That's the acceleration. <laughs> like, there you go. That's, That's it. It's a train. It's on train. tracks. Yeah. What else, what else do you need to know? You throw a bit of coal in there to keep the engine going and that's it. Um, and, you know, uh, we then see that there's something on the tracks and, um, you know, they yell out for them to stop the train. And even though they've just had the conversation about what is the brake and what is the acceleration, they still spend a minute arguing over what is the brake. Um, I hate but they do. Kid. I hate him so much. <laughs> this is why he's the villain. He's mansplaining this train. He makes the girl doubt herself, you know. I just, it, mm -mm. no thank you, no thank you, sir. <laughs> no thank you. Oh, it drives anyway, me nuts. She finds, she finds the correct handle and they stop it and it turns out there's a bunch of caribou on the line. Uh, this is apparently how we know we're in Canada, because apparently caribou are in Canada. Um and there seems to be thousands of them. There's like the most caribou anyone has ever seen blocking the Polar Express. Maybe which, by the way, has got a hobo, has got a, a hobo ghost on and a conductor who is magical. And yet a bunch of caribou on an actual train track. He also says 100,000 or maybe a million, which is a range of 900,000 caribou. And therefore <laughs> yeah. a very useless uh, thing to say. Yeah. Um, uh, these two are my favorite characters in the whole movie, by the way. I oh, love them. I was going to say, I absolutely hate all this pulling of the beard thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like it because it leans into how stupid it is. Like, that's what <laughs> I like about it. Uh, it doesn't take itself seriously. And I think that's one of the big problems with the Polar Express is that it is a children's movie for children about a wonderful children's book. About Santa Claus, that just takes itself a bit too seriously sometimes, you know. Like well, I understand you need to have a moral like, and all that, but I, I felt I feel like the whole time they were making this, they felt like they were making a treasured Christmas classic, which I guess for some people it is, but I don't know. Oh, it is in do my kids, house. Do kids like this movie? <laughs> I was the whole time I was watching this, I was like, I would be very bored as a kid. Yeah, that's why they had well, to add the wolves in. Yeah. I was thinking well, the parts with animals were the only parts that would have interested me as a kid. Yeah, the caribou look nicely animated, like it's and the, yeah. the way that they're kind of in the shadow and you can only see some of their eyes and everything. I mean, yeah, I thought that was well done. Uh, but then we encounter the, like the ugliest like mm -hmm. characters in this entire thing until we get to the North Pole, uh, which are Smokey and Steamer. I don't know which is which. I assume Smokey is the overweight one and Steamer is the guy with the beard that's like six feet long. Um, and he's like extremely loud when it keep, people keep pulling on his beard and he makes this noise and that noise, I don't know, frightens off the caribou is like a mating call. No, what it's is like, it? I don't know. I thought you were like going to say it frightens you. Language it seems to be because mm -hmm. they're responding yeah. to it. 
Okay. Well, oh, it, yeah. it clears the it clears the caribou, and so they keep pulling his beard <laughs> until the caribou are out of the way, so they can then start. Um, and then we get into this very weird sequence where the conductor and the hero girl and the hero boy are on the front of the um, the train. Um, you know, which if you've seen uh, Back to the Future Three, you know that the kind of the, the engines are quite big and they've got like little stairs around them and stuff for people to access stuff. So it is possible to kind of just stand on the front. So I believe that. <laughs> just real quick. Yeah. Your frame of reference wasn't, you know, if you know anything about trains, it yeah. was if you've seen Back to the Future Three. Yeah, there's a, there's a <laughs> steam locomotive. It's, I understand. I just, I just find it it's funny like, that that was the frame of reference you chose. I appreciate it. I just think it, yeah. I thought it was a funny thing. Uh, I mean, I've got to go with like pop culture reference that people know, and I think Back to the Future Three people know it for having a train in. It's you know, it's the it's the main plot. All right, I, I, I take um, that back. Edit that out. Right. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, <laughs> what? Like they they are now coming upon a part of the tracks which, for the benefit of people watching in IMAX 3D. Uh, happens to look like a roller coaster. It goes downhill very steep, and then it comes back up, um, and it's called, I don't know, something like Glacier Pass. Um, Glacier Gulch. Glacier Gulch, there we go. And although I don't think in Canada they would have gulches, I think gulches are normally like a kind of Wild West type thing, aren't they? It feels feels misnamed. Um, But anyway, yeah, so the the premise is the train, uh, they need it to slow down a little bit, while it's going downhill and then obviously it'll pick the momentum up as it goes back uphill uh, but due to the incompetence of the two engineers um, a pin comes out of a thing that controls the speed uh, like like a wrench type thing and then that pin goes on a journey uh, including mm-hmm. into the mouth of one of the engineers <laughs> um, it floats up as they go in downhill very fast and then it lands in someone's mouth and then they kind of pop it out of his mouth and they eventually put it back in so they can slow the train down uh, but this part is then shot first person point of view from the front of the train so that everyone can get the benefits of both the animation which is you know quite well done um, like I said, when it's not people on screen, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but also, it obviously it's going downhill very fast and then coming back up. It looks like a roller coaster. If you're watching this in 3D, no doubt this is probably one of the parts where you'd probably turn to the person next to you and go, oh, "This is quite good." Um, uh, but when you're watching it at home, you're like, "This is what is just get to the North Pole." Like, <laughs> it's like, 45 minutes until we get to the North Pole. It's like, come on, let's make a <laughs> yeah. pace here a little bit. Yeah, we then, like, I mean, after they've slowed down and sped back up, they then end up on a lake, I think, um, where they start the engine up and it pulls the train from behind because it's kind of looped around and they get themselves back onto the tracks. Now, if you're on a lake with a train that is thousands of tons in weight, you are straight through that ice. You are not using mm-hmm. the ice uh, to get some traction so you can get your train back onto the tracks. So that is insane. Um, but, I mean, it's a fun enough sequence with all the kind of explosions of the ice and the kind of powder stuff. But, it's again, like, uh, why are we here? What's... that all the kids are in goes underwater. Like, <laughs> at least <laughs> yeah. Billy. Like, yeah, the, ca- those are the caboose is in the water. Those are sealed train cars. Yeah, so I yeah, I it's I mean obviously they're trying to ramp up the excitement, but um we're in a magical train that can get off ice, so there's no danger here. Um exactly. and then uh then of course they go past the kitchen of uh Principal Skinner, 
uh, because we get some aurora borealis. Um, <laughs> I also uh, made which, that joke while watching it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which in this context made complete sense because they're getting close to the North Pole and that is where you see Aurora Borealis. Um, so at that time of the year, it makes complete sense, um, uh, and particularly when you're at the north of Canada, just entering the uh, the Arctic. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the Aurora Borealis is very nicely uh, animated as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then we kind of get, as they climb up this kind of hill, this mountain that goes kind of round and around and around, uh, we get the story, of course, of how uh, the conductor was on this Polar Express when he was a boy and, you know, he didn't fall off the train or whatever. And, you know, we'll get into that more later, but it's like, OK, all right. I mean, oh, no, he was doing his rounds. That was why he was oh, wandering yeah. around the train because it yeah. was it was funny. Sorry, I keep correcting you, but I just this this movie is like burned into my head. It's, <laughs> That's it's, fine. it's a worm that can't get out. I only watched it a couple of hours ago and I'm already forgetting most of it. I would be nowhere without my notes. Uh, so yeah, uh, and we're kind of we're getting close to the North Pole. Finally, we're like forty-eight minutes into this film, and uh, you know the the North Pole is in our sights. Um, and for some reason, and I'm not quite sure why, uh, but the hero boy, the hero girl, and Billy they decouple the caboose as the train is starting to pull in. Um, so they head off on a different set of tracks, and I don't know why they did it. <laughs> or to extend like, the length of the movie. Well, yeah, uh, I guess. I'm sorry. We we glazed over my two favorite parts of the movie. I'm sorry. Okay, I go for to, it. I have go to go it. back and talk go about this. Go for it. Go for it, uh, And these are two things I genuinely love about the movie. Uh, the okay. song that Billy and the Hero Girl sing. What? Oh, I... I hated that song. I love no, that song. I love it. It's one of the... It's like the best part of the movie. Uh, second best part of the movie. Best part of the movie's coming up is actually what I'm going to talk about. You guys don't like it? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, we'll come leave on! Our, we'll, we'll leave our judgments to the end, but no, I didn't like that song. I was like, this is just creepy. Uh, Billy yeah. singing by himself and the then... The whole thing... Hero it was also, Girl. like, weirdly romantic between the two of them at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's I, good. Yeah. What, what I really like about it is, you know, it's... Billy is by himself, singing all alone, because it's... If, if you listen to the deep lyrical meaning of the song... Uh, <laughs> no deep lyrical meaning of the song, uh, but like you get the, you get the the feeling that um, he, he like the family that he does have has left uh, like his brothers that he he liked. I feel like there's a line in there about his brother. Uh, there's uh, you know getting presents and stuff that he doesn't have, and so like the hero girl is coming in like hey. These are cool things about Christmas. Isn't it great? And then they sing and it's beautiful and the harmony is actually pretty okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a good song. I, I like the the uh, the stars that are in there. I think it's pretty cool. Like making out presents and stuff. Yeah. It's yeah I mean, I didn't like that song at all. And I didn't like the singing <laughs> by I, the, the, the car Like... When Christmas comes to town, I mean, Christmas is a day. It doesn't arrive anywhere. Just leave it alone. Like, oh, what a Grinch. What a Scrooge over here. I'm a Jeez. big Christmas person, and I love Christmas music. I just, not that one, no. I, it was pretty <laughs> auto-tuned, too. That's always a turn-off for me. 
No, that's just the real voices. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Yeah, uh, I should say. I set- should say as. I should say as well, obviously, that even though um, Peter Scolari and Nona Gay are like the characters of Billy and Hero Girl, and even though Nona Gay is a singer and is the daughter of a singer, she doesn't sing that song. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know. Uh, the, uh, the, the best part of the movie, and the second thing we kind of glossed over, was when they pull into the North Pole and... They're talking, they're all excited. And all of a sudden, this little girl pops up and goes, Look! And then this chunky boy stands up and points and yells, Elves! It's the best part of the movie. It's the best part of the movie. I love it so much. He's like, it's like he's still got chocolate around his face. Maybe I'm just putting that in my brain, but he's wearing like cowboy... Uh, pajamas. It's it's beautiful. It's it's just it is the pinnacle of filmmaking. That alone <laughs> deserves an Oscar. The boy deserves best performer, male performance in a movie, sporting performance. Uh, Oscar. He did. He did. He really made the film for me. So, well, that what that boy points out is uh, the ugliest character designs in the entire film, which is the elves. And they all look like Bill Burr. I don't, well, and I don't, I don't know what they, like, I don't know what they, like, the weird thing with, like, I mean, you know, let's, let's briefly detour into elves in Christmas films, and you have to make a choice when you do this, um, in Santa Claus the movie, they went with short men, that's, that's what they went with, they started with, um, you know, Dudley Moore, and they had everybody else who was the same height as Dudley Moore be an elf, um, you know, obviously in the film Elf, uh, they kind of did some kind of um, computer stuff, so obviously, and some force perspectives, so that obviously Will Ferrell was taller than everybody else, mm-hmm. uh, which creates the impression of those being elves. Um, in, uh, I think it was uh, Fred Claus, uh, they went for the the extremely misaimed route of having children's bodies with CG animated adults' heads on. Uh, yeah, it was a weird choice. Don't like um, that. Yeah, Don't like and that in at this. All. <laughs> yeah well so you well, had in, basically in the these... santa claus the movie the santa claus yeah. they went with yes kids which i they think is the smartest kids. route to go yeah um so but then obviously you have to you have to have all the kids then say i'm 900 years old because you have to make them all be elves see so like you and it's funnier be... that way yeah yeah okay yeah. but this movie's animated yeah, so they went with the route of having ugly short men. That's elves. But they didn't have to be ugly or so, like, creepily proportioned. I don't know. You can say no. that about everybody in this film, though. That's true. So... <laughs> but, like, they specifically looked like very, like, uh, unsavory characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why not give I don't them some, like, fanciful features? I don't know. They also distorted some of their voices as well. Yeah. Um, so once we get I'm to the, I'm gonna let you slide. <laughs> yeah. Once, once, well, well, we get obviously more filler as um, you know the three main kids. Now that their caboose was on the loose, um, they <laughs> they find they find themselves. <laughs> they. I mean, I thought it was—I thought it was funny, Zach, but not that funny. I mean, <laughs> it's—it wasn't—it's it's not even the like it wasn't that funny. It was just the uh, the like 
how how serious you said. Uh, now that the cabooses lose, it's like some. Yeah. It's it's it was a good one. it was good. I I appreciated that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they end up they end up on a railway turntable in Santa's workshop, and they cross over this bridge that is train tracks. Uh, that seems very dangerous. I mean, you know, unless you're in a train, like don't cross over it. And as they're crossing over, they hear like a raid. They hear like a record playing um, uh, a Christmas song. Which Christmas song is it? This one that gets that starts skipping. Um, I just know the part where it starts skipping. Um, yeah, I can't remember which song it is. It's it's one of the many Walking Christmas songs. Winter Wonderland. Yes, it, and it just starts skipping, and they have, I don't know why it starts skipping, but they just end up kind of in this uh, workshop, uh, and you see the elves, and they're having a discussion about a kid, uh, because in this in this workshop, all these horrific elves um, are um, they're monitoring sleeping children on TV screens that are mostly labeled alphabetically, but then this one kid who's saying he didn't do something. Stephen is not alphabetically. He's after someone with a Z name. It doesn't. It doesn't fit. Anyway, um, they but see yeah, they, so, they did the whole alphabet, and they're like, "Oh wait, there's more kids after this." So they just <laughs> added Stephen. Stephen was the first one after Xander or whatever. Uh, yeah, but the, but the thing is that like what's happened is apparently he put some bubble gum in, in his his sister's hair, and so now five minutes to you know the deadline they're like should we give this kid a present or no no presents now i would think that like in terms of checking whether you're naughty or nice that finishes on the 24th and you know like you, you mm-hmm. draw a line under it you have to pick a time you can't keep going until midnight like you've got to just stop at you know call it midday just stop then um you know see also, that's when you commit your murders uh, well there's also a bunch of time zones so obviously there are some kids for whom it is already christmas because uh, if it's midnight at the North Pole in Australia, it's already like seven in the morning. So, and you know, which then we get into. Think let's talk about Santa Claus. <laughs> let's let's see how can he actually do this. Well, they, well, the thing is, they let this. They let they decide to let this kid slide, so he's going to get a present. But they obviously talk about like how the wrapping is extravagant and stuff like that, and the bow is too complicated for this time of night or whatever, you know, elf stuff basically. Uh, and they put this they put this present into the into the production like off it goes off to the sack um and then obviously you know the kid the kids see the elves go down one of those um you know those pneumatic sh- tube shoots uh, that they have in the film Brazil and they get they get in them themselves and follow the elves and they end up on the conveyor belt that takes that goes to a gigantic funnel that is where all the presents go to go into Santa's sack um and this is where the rest of this film spends like a, a portion of it trying to show you the logistics of how Santa gets presents to every single child on the entire planet. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of like, it's a lot of, um, you know, different kind of, it's like, a, it's a huge like industrial complex of getting presents into a sack. And it's a, it's a lot of work. And there's literally like, I don't know, 10,000 elves. It's a lot of production just so that every kid gets one single crappy toy from Santa. Um, and it's, it's just, unless like you're the know-it-all, but yeah, exactly. he gets stupid underwear. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there was something I think earlier in the film where they talk about you know it's impossible for Santa to do this because his you know his how does he get to every single ch- child and you know the the sleigh would have to be gigantic and the sack would have to be huge and all that kind of stuff, and I guess this is trying to address is. it, um, you know, in this in this kind of scene where you know <laughs> they the they end up these, you know that are watching yeah. the film. Well, the thing is, obviously, they follow Billy's present into the sack. 
And the sack is gigantic. Like, it is, you know, like, obviously we've seen films where you have, like, Santa's sleigh with the sack on the back. But this is just, it's like six stories high. It's huge. And obviously that's what it would have to be. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's kind of weird how, like, the sack, this sack ends up kind of coming out. And there's some balloons that are put on it so it's um, elevated so it can be dropped onto the sleigh. But as that's happening, a, the star that's on the gigantic tree that's in the middle of the North Pole, it gets knocked off and it almost kills someone. Except for the <laughs> Can of... you imagine? Like, I mean... The, the, <laughs> and these kids are sitting there. It's like, yeah, Santa's real. But I just, got, I just saw somebody domed by a Christmas tree star. <laughs> it just <laughs> they gotta get the, the the special elves to come out in their hazmat suits yeah. and sweep everything off like but, nothing to see here kids da, 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 da. There, there are the thing is there are some like special elves who kind of just suddenly like as soon as they see the star falling they just jump out with their like um i don't know what, what they got like the harnesses on and they managed to catch the star just before it hits somebody in the face. Like, it I mean, literally... <laughs> it pushes his nose! Children narrowly avoid a gruesome death in this movie. Yeah. It doesn't seem worth it to just revive their belief in Santa Claus to put them through so much danger. <laughs> but guys, guys, Santa's real. It's okay. Yeah. We know you almost drowned, but... Yeah. Oh my god. Who? Yeah. Well, and what's what's so funny about that is, like, it's right after the conductor's like, oh, yeah, they're a well-oiled machine, and then it knocks over the star, and then <laughs> they grab the star, and then he turns back to the kids. He's like, like I said, a well-oiled machine. It's like, they, if it was a well-oiled machine, he wouldn't have knocked over the star! Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, and it's weird. It's, it's even weirder if the conductor is being sarcastic about that. You know, like, and being like, yeah, they're a well-oiled machine. And then, like, they nearly kill someone with a star. Um, but I think the excuse is, of course, the extra weight of the children is pushing up. Like, that's making it harder for them to maneuver uh, this this balloon that's being held up by, like, you know, four kind of, like, helium balloons or whatever. That's, whatever's kind of pushing it across. At this time, also, uh, the reindeer, the magical reindeer kind of float out, being not carried by the elves, but kind of they float over the elves and they're kind of pushed into position so that they're ready to take the sleigh. Um, and then we get, uh, uh, like, I don't know, something that would be uh, accompanying, like, a trailer for a horror film set at Christmas as all the elves begin to sing in a <laughs> oh weird God, kind of monotone. <laughs> well, oh, I didn't man. forget about this. That's awful. The, you better Ooh. watch out. You better not cry. And they, they start singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town, but they sing it at such a slow pace. And it's like the chil- there's children singing in there as well, but it's mostly like the elf voices. And it's just like horrific. You're like, what are the- what's going on? Like, it feels like someone's about to come out and like hang someone or something. Like, it's extremely foreboding. Um, uh, but it turns out they're just happy to see Santa. And then they do this weird thing where... <laughs> They start like crowd surfing because they're so they're so excited to see Santa, a person who they work with 365 <laughs> right. days of the year. Like, it's uh, does he not come out? Like, does he not come out and hang out with the elves <laughs> at any point? The Santa kind of sounds like a dick. Like, honestly, uh, you know, and and this, so on top of that horror movie thing, at, at the same time, it's like this very quiet slow motion like. 
the reindeer are jumping up and down and the bell pops off, which yeah. is the crux of the book, correct, Kelly? Yes, the, the, the magical, getting the the, bell. the bell is the like is the big thing in the book. Yeah, the hero kid sees that bell come off as well, and it's like in he his just, eyesight. He, yeah, he lasers like, in on it too. He's like, I'm just gonna steal that. Nobody will. Uh, <laughs> nobody. But that's where it. we get our catharsis as well. Uh, yeah, you know the hero boy. He doesn't hear the bells, and everybody's like, "Yo, these bells are awesome!" And uh, the the hero boy's like, "I don't, I don't hear them. I don't hear them." Uh, and so, in order to make himself believe, he closes his eyes and says, I believe. And then shakes it. Yeah. Doesn't hear anything. I believe. And then he hears the bells. And it's like, that's all? That's all it took? Yeah. And then when Santa Santa's comes right over. there. Well, yeah. I, that was the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's right there, dude. He can't see him at, the, at first, though, because all the elves keep jumping on each other and getting in the way, and they like that they basically true. are blocking the view for everybody. Um, but yeah, so the world's ugliest animated Santa kind of stands over him as if he's about to murder this child. And as the kid is saying, I believe, he turns around and says, I believe this is yours. Like, he puts it into a sentence to pretend like he wasn't trying to force himself to believe in Santa. Um, and then Santa is like, yes, thank you very much. And of course there is this whole thing where it's like Santa has this thing where he will pick the first kid to get a present, uh, even though it's still like five minutes to midnight on Christmas Eve. It's not Christmas day yet. Um, so, and, and the thing is Billy didn't open his present as well because on it, it said don't open until Christmas. So he didn't open it to see what was in there. Um, but we find out. I mean, I forgot to mention, of course, the know-it-all kid got kind of scooped up in the bag as well, and he was, he was, he was, you know, he was in the, he was in the sack, and um, he's here being annoying. He and was he, like, he was in. The yeah, pile he was of deep in there. Too. Yeah, he was like way under there. He was. I don't know what he was doing, but you know, um, I mean, <laughs> another way he could have died. Like I didn't. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't see any toilet facilities on the Polar Express, so there's a good chance he just, you know, popped in there because he needed to go. Um, and I so someone's, this is yours. <laughs> yes, someone, someone's going to get some wet toys. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, the know-it-all kid is like, pick me, Santa. I'm going to be first. And then Santa's like, maybe you should, you know, get some humility instead of a present. And the kid's like, okay. And he kind of gets back in line with all the other ugly kids. Um, <laughs> and, and so... Uh, the hero kid, obviously being the hero of the film, is picked by Santa to kind of get onto the sleigh. Um, and it's, you know, the, the funny thing is, it's it's been a bit of a running joke. And the know-it-all kid is like, it's been five to midnight for the last hour. We've got tons of time. Um, mm -hmm. And that is true. Like, it, it has been kind of, you know, they have been suspended in time, basically. Um, so I don't know why the conductor was that concerned about getting to the Polar Express, like the North Pole. Because the Polar Express literally doesn't exist in time. So you but can take forever to get there, buddy. he doesn't worry about it is the time yeah. that the space-time <laughs> continuum fixes itself. And yeah. Yeah, it gets close to midnight. Before, before we reveal what the gift is that the hero boy gets... We're not going to reveal uh, that yet. We've still got Santa to take off and Steven Tyler. There's a whole bunch left, Zach, before we get to that point. Oh, no, no, no. No, what the... What the, could, well, the hero... <laughs> Please, I'm the I'm the resident Polar Express expert here, so I kind of know how the timeline works. Uh, so before he asks Santa for his first gift, 
Yeah. Uh, I want to go over the many crimes of the hero. Hero boy. Quote, unquote, hero boy. Uh, Straight up steals this girl's ticket. Uh, He essentially gets it lost for her. Yeah. Um, Then he acts all big and bad about it. Like, oh yeah, I got your ticket back. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's constantly doubting everybody, which I guess makes sense because his ticket says believe. And then he makes the hero girl like doubt herself, uh, and almost get everybody killed. Point. Yeah, pretty much. With the break, just it. It's a, uh, you know, he he truly is trying to prevent Christmas from happening. Uh, uh, we and... also had the reappearance of the hobo who basically disappeared into dust when he hit like a, a roof as they went under it. So oh, he yeah, killed yeah. the hobo at least, even if he was a ghost. <laughs> God. He's killed him. Yeah, and then he's like, "Can I have my present, please, Santa?" Because he gets picked. <laughs> um, Money, please. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, uh, it's just I I I do not like this boy. I don't like him. <laughs> He's got a weird face. I just, he's trying to ruin Christmas for everybody. I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair that he got it, you know? Uh, but. Well, tell us what the present is then, Zach. Uh, it is the bell. Yeah. Which, like, I guess that's a good, that's a point in his favor. He wasn't like, uh, I don't know, get me whatever. He just gave him a bell. And he's like, I'm so happy it's the bell. Which is more poignant in the book, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, in the book, there wasn't all this other stuff. He lost the bell and he gets the bell at the end. It's nice. So did you ever have a teacher read it to you during school? I don't think so. I the only the only time I went to public school. Same here. Um, So the only time I ever read the Polar Express, which I'm surprised I haven't read it to my children yet which I feel like is a big oversight on my part. But, uh, so the only time I ever read the Polar Express was in first grade. And I remember distinctly losing my shit when the teacher pulled out the bell at the end of it and was like, my husband was this kid. Oh my God. That's a good We just, we just all collectively lost our minds. Uh, well, you're like your husband's I mean, sixty years grade. old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. How yeah, old it was, was the teacher? How old was the husband? Uh, this is what I want to know. Well, I mean, she. Well, that was the thing. Uh, you know, she. It couldn't be her because she was uh, a girl, and the book yeah. is about a boy. So yeah, maybe she um, wasn't even married. Oh, yeah. we knew she was married because her name was Mrs. Oh, right. Anderson. So <laughs> she could be. She could have been divorced. I mean, stop it! You're ruining the magic of Christmas for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, did she like? Did she get like a bell out and like say to everybody in the class like, if I ring this and you can't hear it, then you don't believe in Santa? <laughs> no, no. Can you imagine? And then you just oh. don't put the bell in there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You don't put the ball in. You just or you hold it in a way so it doesn't make any noise. <laughs> It's and then at least a couple, and then at least a couple of people in your class are like, "I heard it ring," like because oh they're so God. desperate to kind of cling onto it. Oh, that would be great. I'm not, now I, I wish I'd have been a teacher and I could have done that to some children. To just I mean, there's still time. I do, that. I do see. Yeah. I do library with uh, yeah. with like uh, elementary school kids. So this is a this good is idea. your chance, Zach. This is your chance. Yeah, 
read the yeah, book, get me. to the end, yeah, and then get the bell and go. Now, if I ring this bell and you can't hear it, it means you don't believe in Santa. <laughs> <laughs> or I could just say it more like, well, is that a part of the book? Like, yes. That if you can't hear the bell ring? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's, I, I have to believe that that's the reason why Tom Hanks wanted to make this film is because he gets to say that at the end as the narrator doesn't he you know he, he's like if you can still hear the bell when you're an adult then you believe um i do skip want, to the end i well since we're sort of at that point in the movie i do want to say when the hero boy gets off the train the conductor says to him that's the thing about trains it doesn't matter where they're going it just matters whether you get on which it absolutely I, matters is one it's of those going. yeah it's one of those things that a movie thinks sounds deep but really is stupid and wrong it very then, much he, matters where they're going he then also winks like uh lucille um <laughs> like, it's it's like this creepy kind of wink and you're like okay yes. like maybe maybe do another pass on that wink animation <laughs> Um, but yes, as it gets to midnight, the sleigh takes off. Uh, the boy, he puts the bell in the pocket that's got a hole and it drops out and the conductor picks it up. Um, so, you know. Um, and then Stephen Tyler follows in the footsteps of his daughter and he is an elf. Um, Rocking on top of the world. I'm guessing he was I guessing he was jealous of her being an elf in three films. So he's like, I'm going to be an elf now. Um, and so he's an elf. I would love to see the day that Steven Tyler came in, put on like a blue stretchy suit with a bunch of dots all over his face and then just sang this song to a backing track um, to nothing. Like that would be fun to that was see. Awful. It's, yeah. Uh, it's the absolute they... worst part of the movie <laughs> is the Steven Tyler face. I can't get yeah. over it. Uh, it. It's so bad. Like it's so yeah. bad. I mean, he's an elf lieutenant, so obviously he's worked his way up in the elf army. Um, <laughs> Charles Charles Fleischer is an elf general, so there's there's a hierarchy going on there. Uh, but yeah, they recouple the caboose, um, and uh, off they go. Uh, they the kid says that he's lost the bell to all the other kids, and they're like, "Let's look for it," but it's too late because the Polar Express is pulling away, and it's going home, and there's no chance. Um, you know. Uh, they drop off Billy, um, who, I mean, who cares? Like, you know, he, you know, he's been to he's been to see Santa. Okay, all right. Um, and then obviously they drop off the hero kid. Like you said, he says, you but know, but Billy gets his present. He hold, he runs. He yeah, well, inside. yeah, yeah. Billy kind of proves. And goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He stands on his porch, proves that Santa has been. So obviously the rest of the kids know that Santa will uh, go to their house. Also, I'm guessing that's probably the first present he's ever got due to the fact that his family are obviously extremely poor. Um, and, and Santa poor has children. been choosing to not <laughs> visit Santa him until just, now. Yeah. <laughs> Hates yeah, so, yeah. Really? Although, huh? at the same time, when they, when that kid put that kid put like the, um, the chewing gum in, in, in the, the sister's hair and then denied it, um, that he still managed to stay on the nice list. So I don't know what it takes for you to get on the naughty list. Um, I don't know, genocide maybe? Um, yeah, Billy probably committed yeah. genocide. One or the other, you know. <laughs> but it was a different like, yeah. time. Put gum in her hair. We'll let it slide. Genocide. Yeah. You're on the naughty list. Yeah, uh, and so of course uh, we like we get to the next morning after the whole experience has happened, uh, and at this point I would like to point out that there is a a 
an animator over here, uh, or there was, I don't know if he's alive or dead, Raymond Briggs, he did a book called The Snowman. He also did a book called Santa Claus, which is about Santa Claus on the other 364 days of the year when he's not being Santa Claus, um, which is, you know, a humorous book. And they turned The Snowman into an animated 30-minute uh, thing. It features yes. a song, Walking in the Air. Yes. And it's pretty much kind of almost the same plot where the, the snowman takes a boy to the North Pole. He dances with a bunch of snowmen and meets Father Christmas and then goes home. And then the next morning, the snowman is melted. And they managed to do that in 27 minutes. Um, and a few years after it came out, they had an introduction with David Bowie. Uh, where he was in an attic and David Bowie pretended he was the boy. He had like a scarf that's the same as the scarf that's in the animation. And he pretended he was the boy um, that was in the snowman animation. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's that's the Christmas tradition over here. Not watching the Polar Express. But we get a similar thing here where the next morning the kid does what he did when he imagined going to the North Pole. He gets out of his bed very quickly. He rips his um, pocket on his uh, dressing gown. He spills the marbles all over the floor. Uh, and then obviously he goes downstairs to uh, unwrap presents with his extremely ugly sister. Um, and they have, <laughs> when he gets down there, I, you they are ha- already have. to these kids. <laughs> I it's mean, not the kids, it's the animation. Well, yeah, the animation is ugly, but yeah. But when he gets down there, they already have like a train set set up for him or something. I don't know. There's already a train going on, isn't there? It's like obviously reinforcing the theme of, of the Polar Express. Um, and then she finds one last present that's under the tree, and she says to him, it's got your name on it, which obviously they never reveal, um, uh, much like we don't know what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. We don't know what the name of this kid is. And so... I mean, great moments in film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The symbolism. <laughs> and so he opens it up, and all it is is the bell that he thought he lost. I have to... I mean, it, it says from Santa. It says from Mr. C, and it just makes me think of Fonzie. Um, referring to referring to the Cunninghams, referring to Tom Bosley as Mr. C. That's what it makes me think think of. But yeah, so it's from Santa because he found it in his sleigh. Um, although I think the conductor had something to do with getting that bell back to him. Um, and yeah, I don't you think know, Santa it, cares too much. I think uh, yeah, the conduct. Do you think Mr. C could be the conductor? It probably could be, because I thought it. I thought oh. it was the conductor. So it's huh. Mr. Conductor. Hey, there you go, Zach. Together. You've been watching this film for a decade, and only now are you realizing that the, the, the ending could be a twist. Well, that's how you know it's a masterpiece. You get something new on every yeah. watch. Yeah. Every time you rewatch it, you'll see something different. Next time you watch it, Zach, point out to your wife, go, hold, do you think that hold do you think on Mr. A second. C is hold the on. conductor? <laughs> hold on a sec. Joe, I want to get her opinion on this real quick. I'm one, curious. One, sec- one sec. I will be right back. <laughs> It's rare that I have guests go off and consult with their uh, spouses on uh, opinions on uh, points in films. So, I, yeah, I can. I mean, I guess you can't look away once it's on. Joe's younger than I expected. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how she's going to convey her opinion. Well, honestly, what I heard is pretty much my opinion on the movie, too. <laughs> she believes that it's Santa Claus who does it. Okay. So, uh, it's... I just, I'm sorry, that kind of blew my mind. I'm, I'm firmly in conductor camp. Yeah, I mean, I thought the conductor was the one who found it because he put it in his pocket. But I mean, maybe I think he's maybe got a I'm kinship with it. the boy now. You yeah, know. maybe he is the boy. Well, I mean, um, he literally is in some ways. So yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he's visiting his past self to make sure he gets the the so he believes in Santa so that he can get the bell. Um. 
Um, yeah, so he opens up the present and it has this little note where it says to Santa, you know, it says from Santa, I guess, or from the conductor, um, you know, it's the bell. And if you shake it and you can hear it, then that means you believe in Santa. Um, only believers can hear the bell. And there's a nice little bit of kind of interaction where uh, he rings the bell and his sister can hear it and he can hear it. But his parents pick up the bell and they ring it and nothing happens. So they can't hear it. So his parents no longer believe in Santa Claus. Um, but obviously he does. Uh, and the narrator then tells us, you know, obviously as he grew older, his friends stopped hearing the bell. And his sister stopped hearing the bell. And, you know, but he still hears the bell to this day, um, you know, as, a, as an adult. Um, so, I mean, trying to figure out what the age of this kid is, because he's like, what, maybe 10 in like 1956. So he was born in like, what, 46. So how old would he be now? Um, or how old would he have been in 2004 is more the question. 2004, he would have been what, like going on 60? At 60, he still believes in Santa. What's going on with that? I mean, I feel and, like well, maybe he's... Well, I mean, hit. again, rightfully so. Santa's real in this universe and he's... <laughs> yeah. Why doesn't anyone yeah. else believe in Santa? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, that makes complete sense. Uh, it makes complete sense that an old-age pensioner still believes in Santa and it, the bell that he's hearing is not like, I don't know, some tinnitus or something that he's got going on. Um, but yeah, so... And that's that's where the film ends. And then Josh Groban comes in and starts singing just to ruin I everything. I thought that for was us. Josh Groban. I didn't bother looking <laughs> it up, but I that's what I thought it was. Yeah, there's like an end... The end title's song is um, is called Believe, obviously. I mean, we skipped over it, but I think we kind of covered it. But as the kids get off, uh, their, their tickets are punched with a word and this kid's is Believe. So obviously that's the name of the song. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, so that's the end of the film. Uh, Josh Groban singing uh, the the song, which I think is the only thing that kind of got. I mean, this got three nominations for uh, for Oscars uh, in in two thousand five, um, for sound editing and sound mixing, which I kind of understand because you know, uh, like as much as whatever's going on with the animation, obviously the entire environment has got to be built up as sound. So they did a good job, I think. Um, and one thing I should say as well, when the when it's going downhill and the and the, the 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 kind of wheels are going around really fast and the pistons are going very fast, I thought that was well animated. Um, and also the it's, sound yeah, was well okay. well done. Yeah. Um, a lot and of then it this reminded so me of like a like a a very dated video game. Well, I was just about to bring that up. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I will just say that the song was nominated for both a Golden Globe and an Academy Award and a Grammy, which it won. It won the Grammy for Best Song Written for Motion Picture, Television or Other Visual Medium, uh, which a few Tom Hanks films in the 90s won that category. Um, and yeah, there was a... <laughs> on, on PlayStation 2, GameCube and Windows... Uh, and also on Game Boy Advance, there was a video game of the Polar Express, oh. uh, which kind of, yeah, it follows it follows the plot, except for um, the Ebenezer Scrooge puppet. This is why I've saved this for this part, because there is like a whole um, a whole cabin which is full of like abandoned toys uh, in the middle of the train, isn't there? Um, in there is the Ebenezer Scrooge puppet, which is voiced by Tom Hanks, obviously doing his hobo voice, but you know, still, um, he is like the main character in the, in the game. And like, he kind of, he kind of drives the plot of the film. Um, and you control the young boy and there's some like puzzle elements and stuff like that. 
Um, and it got mixed reviews, mostly unfavorable, kind of got like, I don't know, the same as it did on Rotten Tomatoes, it kind of got like 46, you know, it was kind of in the middle um, in terms of like uh, people kind of rating it. So yeah, don't don't bother trying to play the Polar Express game, not really a very good game. Um, but yeah, so, you know, uh, I mean, I didn't mind this Josh Groban song, but to be honest with you, I listened to about like 90 seconds of it and I was like, I think I've got the gist and uh, I turned it off. Um, I didn't realise it won a Grammy, but you know, I guess if you've got yourself a Grammy Award-winning song, you <laughs> see. Josh Groban is one of the one of the one of the musicians we listen to all the time. Uh, not during Christmas. We're not like big I Josh mean, Groban I, fans. His... Uh, we're big Christmas Josh it. Groban fans. Oh, sorry. I mean, I think Josh Groban is a fun person. Uh, he's appeared on like a lot of comedy things over here, like uh, game shows and stuff, and he's always very fun. Uh, but I don't care about his songs. So. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I, I find him I really enjoy him as a person. It's not my kind of music, so I get it. Yeah, totally it understand is. that. Yeah, I, and the only time I like Josh Groban is uh, when his music is being used to juxtapose something like funny or uh, Christmas time. Yeah, his cameo in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend destroyed me. For anyone who's seen that show, it was very funny. <laughs> I need yeah. to watch that. Oh, you should watch it. Well, it's really good. Him in the office, uh, he has one of the quotes that my wife and I always use with each other um, when we're saying bye to people. So, like, in the garden party episode, um, he goes, bye, Tuna, bye, Pam. And my wife and I always say that to each other because I think it's hilarious. But, you should definitely yeah, so watch earnest. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because it has a lot of songs... Has a lot of songs done by Adam Schlesinger, who also wrote That Thing You Do, the title song from That Thing You Do. R.I.P. Adam Schlesinger. Yeah, that one hurt yeah. me hard. Uh, so I feel like we've reached the natural point where we can get to judgments, unless Zach w- wishes to derail us more and uh, try and, I mean, you know. Oh, you talked about the game. I mean, like I said. Yes. Yeah. Did you talk about the GBA game? That's the question. Because there was the Game Boy Advance game as well. Yeah. I said I said it was on Game Boy Advance as well. Yeah. So Okay, yeah, yeah. It. Uh I uh, actually I just found a, a Twitter account today. Um which was what I sent you all in the group chat. I'm sorry, then I'm done after this, I promise. Uh Okay. It's the um the the Polar Express PS2 number 1 fan Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> okay. And it's uh their their name uh, is uh, the Polar Express for PS2 is the best game ever. Uh, okay. At P-E-P-S-2-N-O-1-F-A-N. So, uh, Polar Express PS2 number one fan. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's great. And he talks about constantly how much they hate the, uh, the GBA game. So, uh, <laughs> this was honestly the first time I learned that there was a video game for the Polar Express, and I will be finding the GameCube version and playing it because I think that's it's an important part of history. So it I mean, it kind of it kind of makes sense that there was a game tie-in because that was a big thing in the kind oh, of yeah. you know nineties and early two thousands. Um, that was the big thing about Harry Potter for the Wii. You could really swish and flick then, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't I don't think there's any game. I mean, there might be a game tie-in for Beowulf or. Uh, a Christmas Carol. I mean, that'd be. Interesting I wouldn't be to... surprised if there was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I Robert Zemeckis. Uh, 
that's that's all I have to say about that. Uh, (laughs) Well, then let's go to our judgments for the DS. Yes, there is a Disney Christmas Carol game for the DS. I think the the Christmas Carol that Robert Zemeckis did was it wasn't for Disney, was it? It, Or was it? Yes, the one with Jim Carrey playing four different characters. Oh, that was okay. Oh, I didn't didn't realize it was. Sorry to derail this even further, but what a weird choice to have that movie be the text of a Christmas Carol, not like a modernization, but a Christmas like verbatim a Christmas Carol. <laughs> and the whole time you got Jim Carrey cooking like this, and then he's the he's the first ghost who talks like this, <laughs> and I'm like I don't like this movie. Feels like it's he was off, trying to do scary. some uh, some Beatles impressions. Well, isn't that the Ooh, isn't yeah. that meant to be the point of Christmas Carol? It is meant to be scary. Yeah, it's it's a ghost <laughs> story, but like when you make it for kids, you know, like I'm thinking of a Muppet Christmas Carol. I don't. I don't you know, know that it was ever. Until Christmas, like it's fun. I, d- I, I don't know that it was ever meant to be for kids. I don't think Dickens was writing it as a kid story. No, 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 no. I'm saying when you're making a movie for kids. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but then let's go to judgments, and we'll start with. We're gonna start with Kelly. Uh, obviously, there's only two judgments. It's T Hanks or no T Hanks. Um, so, what is your yeah. thoughts? I'm going to have to go with no T. Hanks. I don't think that's going to be a shock to anyone. Yeah. I would I'm... watch it if it came on TV around Christmas time. I wouldn't necessarily change the channel, but I wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. And, uh, well, then going alphabetically, then Zach, uh, your judgments. Oh, boy. Uh, what a film. Uh, uh, no, no T. Hanks, please. Uh, I'll pass. I'll pass on this one. Thank you for offering. Uh, I'm kind of in your, I'm in your camp, Kelly, where uh, I would be fine. Well, I mean, I have to be because I watch it all the time. But, uh, like, I'm not saying this would be my version of hell, having to watch this over and over again. But... Like, having to watch it over and over again and not riff on it as it's happening, that would be my version <laughs> of hell. Like, I enjoy it because there's so much just bananas stuff happening, but it's not a good movie. I, I don't recommend it to anybody to watch it. It's it's a bad movie. Uh, no T-Hanks. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, no surprise for me. Uh, I think, two, I think you know, I've said this before, but I think 2004 is, as Queen Elizabeth would put it, uh, Anna's Horribilis. Like, it's just, for Tom Hanks, he just did, like, The Lady Killers and The Terminal and this. And it's like, buddy, you just came off, you just came off 14, like, solid gold films. And then you skidded into 2004 with just a bunch of crap. And, uh, you know. I mean, the only fun thing that comes out of the terminal is the fact that the voice he's doing is an impression of Rita Wilson's dad. And Rita Wilson's dad didn't even figure that out after watching the film. Somebody had to tell him like a couple of years later, oh, that's you. They're doing he's doing your voice. That's you. He did your like, you know, that's the only like obviously people can listen to my thoughts on the terminal in that episode. But I just think this is like I mean, I think coming up, we have a couple of years where he does. I don't know. I mean, after this, we've got like a. We've got Da Vinci Code and we've got like, 
Charlie Wilson's War is okay. Um, but, you know, then we've got, like, Great Book Howard, Angels and Demons, like, incredibly crappy and really loud. And, and just, are we, like... Are we talking bad about Da Vinci Code in my house? <laughs> oh, oh, I no, mean, no, you'll no, have no, to no, wait. No. You'll have to wait for the next episode for oh, Judgment no, no, on that no, one. No. Um, Not the mouse! Yeah, like, I mean, 2004 was just a bad year uh, for Tom Hanks, and this just capped it off. Um, and I think it's taken him a while to kind of steer out of the skids in terms of, like... I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like he had such impeccable taste in films, and then two thousand three, the happened. ice has frozen over the tracks. <laughs> yes, yeah. causing and he skidded, many skids. He skidded way, way off. Uh, so before we go, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? I'm going to start with Zach. Uh, well, uh, I used to be on a podcast called Feels Like Weezer. Uh, I'm no longer on there just because of time with children and all that. But it's still a great show at Feels Like Weezer. Um, I also uh, write uh, on a blog um, called The Best Fracking Book Blog. Uh, you can find it at freckingsmithbooks.com. Um, I also, on there, have a full breakdown. Uh, period. No, see, that was a joke. Uh, but a full breakdown <laughs> of the Polar Express. Um, and, coincidentally, um, all of the Robert Langdon books, which we'll be talking about in The Da Vinci Code next time. Uh, so yeah, I just have a lot of fun writing it. Um, mostly it's about books and, uh, bad movies. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Freckingsmithbooks.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the informal log and Kelly. Uh, yeah. So I am one of the hosts of Rocky horror minute. So check us out if you like the Rocky horror picture show. I'm also on the DC cast for Rocky horror, the shadow cast. So we're back to performing. So check us out the sonic transducers in washington dc and you can find us on twitter at the extremely awkward uh, t underscore ft memory uh thanks to both of you for being my guests here today thank you absolutely it was a blast yeah. and next time we will be unraveling the da vinci Code.